I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 23 of Red Sin. Chapter 23, Julia. At nearly nine in the morning, I stood near the tall windows in the living room, gazing out over the bay, holding tightly to the warm mug filled with coffee. In Chicago, we had Lake Michigan, but most of the views I'd ever seen included the tall buildings of the city. Here, from Van's home, I was enthralled by the natural beauty. No other structure could be seen, making the snow-blanketed view unspoiled. Wearing the camisole and shorts I'd worn to bed and the long robe, I familiarized myself more and more with Van's home. I could now make my way around the first level without taking a wrong turn. An hour later, fresh from my shower, as I opened the door to Van's office, it was on purpose. My eyes went immediately to the table behind his desk. The picture I'd seen yesterday was gone. My pulse kicked up a notch as I turned all the way around, looking for the photograph somewhere else. There were no other personal pictures to be seen in any other location. They were only located on the one table. I hadn't really looked at the other photos yesterday. I'd been too shocked by the one of Van in a tuxedo with a woman in a wedding dress. Now, as I looked at each picture, I wondered if I'd imagined that one photo. I hadn't. I knew I hadn't. Where did it go? One by one, I lifted each of the other frames. There was a small, aged photo, the kind that appeared to be sepia versus black and white, in a round frame. I could only surmise that these people were special to Van, perhaps his grandparents. There was another photo of a blonde woman. She was pretty with striking green eyes. Is she the woman in the other picture? I couldn't be certain. Were you his wife? I asked quietly to no one. My head tilted as I looked at her eyes. Or are you Van's sister? There was another framed photo that appeared to have been taken from a distance. There were three children playing on a beach. If I were to guess, the picture had aged, but I had no other reference than that. I couldn't even make out the children well enough to assume their ages. Even the coloring of their hair was difficult to distinguish, with the way the sunlight bleached the scene. There were two other older couples. One appeared as if the photo was taken from a newspaper. Who are these people? I mumbled. The last picture was of a girl. It too had been taken at a distance, but her face was visible. She was pretty, with curly dark hair and a sweet smile with big front teeth. The information in the library wasn't enough, Van asked, entering his office. Jumping at the sound of his voice, while feeling like a child with her hand caught in the cookie jar, I nearly knocked over the arrangement of frames. Spinning around, I stared up at Van and tried to come up with a reason why I'd be in his private office. You said to make myself at home. He came closer and took the framed photo of the girl from my hand. His tone and tenor were measured, 
as my fiancé, there's no place in this house you aren't welcome. As the person writing my memoir, this is off limits. Who is she? I asked, tilting my head toward the framed picture now in his grasp. Van's jaw clenched as he stared down unblinkingly at the photo. Swallowing, I shook my head. I'm sorry. Never mind, I overstepped. She's my niece. He set the picture down where it had been. That picture was taken by a private detective that I use periodically. I'm not exactly close to my family. He feigned a smile. Good news, my side of the wedding will be small. What happened with your family? I asked, wondering if this had anything to do with his change of last name. Van took a deep breath. Forget about that. His smile grew and cadence changed. I have a surprise for you. For me? No, not a gift. Van, I don't have anything to give. His finger came to my lips. You are my gift, Julia. Don't worry about buying me anything, ever. If something catches my eye and I want it, I get it. It sounds like you're tough to buy for. I prefer the gift of watching you. Watching me what? I asked suggestively, thankful the conversation had veered away from my nosiness. Van ran his finger over my cheek. Watching your beautiful blue eyes as they swirl with emotion and passion. Your expressions speak volumes. His finger came to my lips. When your mouth is unable to make anything but indistinguishable noises, your expression shows your every thought. Warmth climbed up my neck to my cheeks. And when you blush, he said with a grin. Pressing my lips together, I looked over at a clock. Is it noon already? No, I couldn't stay away. Van took my hand and led me out of the office, down the hallways of the south wing, toward the front of the house, and beyond the large living room into the foyer. We kept going through the glass doors and into the entry. Finally, Van opened the tall front door. As the cold air swirled around us, a grin overtook my face. You have a wreath. Hanging from a long over-the-door hook was a giant wreath made of fresh pine and decorated with balls of gold and silver, perfect for the large door to his huge home. Closing the door, Van led me back inside and scanned my clothes. Go upstairs and dress in your warmest clothes. Layers are recommended. I've heard that. And your boots, coat, and I have some better gloves and a hat for you. Don't tell me it's the orange one. Orange is on purpose. It doesn't match my coat. Pressing his firm lips together, Van shook his head. Ten minutes. What? No, I can't be ready that fast. I started up the stairs with the plan to thwart a rebuttal to my next sentence. Give me half an hour. Van looked down at his watch. Clock is ticking. I hurried up the staircase, excited about the unknown. I left my soft leggings on and pulled my blue jeans on over them. Two pairs of socks and a sweater over my shirt completed my layers. When I'd packed for this interview, I didn't plan on Survival 101. 
With five minutes to spare, I found Van in his office, behind his computer, with a cool cup of coffee. As I stepped in, my heart sank. The table behind him was completely empty. All the pictures were gone. At the sound of my entrance, Van looked up from the screen and a smile bloomed, softening his expression. You're beautiful. I look like I'm 20 pounds heavier with all these clothes. He pushed his chair back from the desk. His earlier suit was replaced by his mountain man clothes. As his boots clipped across the wood floor, he stalked my way and a devilish grin came to life. I can't help that my thoughts are going to undressing you. He pulled my hips to his. Better than unwrapping any gift you could buy. I pulled on the collar of my second sweater. It's getting warm in here. Then let's get out of here. Where are we going? Do you trust me? He asked. I do. He reached for my hand and let out a long sigh. I want that, Julia. I'll do my best not to spoil that trust. I took a step back. What's happening with Wade? You haven't checked? I tried. I don't have any new emails from Dad or anyone else at Wade. When I woke, I saw the article about our engagement. It was pretty basic. Would you rather it was detailed? I don't, as a rule, share private information with my PR people or the public. I shrugged. Honestly, it was good and to the point. I appreciated that it didn't mention my recent broken engagement. What you read was issued through Sherman and Madison Media. The broader media has already spun it. Spun it how? He squeezed my hand. No one else matters. Wade? The statement has stilled the devaluation. I kept my word. I let out a breath. That makes me feel better. You can bring your phone, but where we're going, there's no cell signal. My eyes widened as excitement prickled my skin. Are we going to the cabin? He tugged on my hand. Come with me. Soon, we were both in his big black truck and heading back down his long lane. Beyond the windows, the sun glistened on the fallen snow. The heater filled the cab with warm air as Van took some barely marked narrow roads. All at once, the cabin came into view. Is it silly that I'm excited about a one-room cabin? He parked the truck. No, I am too. This cabin holds some wonderful memories. He grinned. Recent memories. I returned his grin, the same recent memories flooding my mind. Van reached for my hand. Well, first I'll get the fire going, and then the real work begins. Work? Van's green stare went out the windshield to the forest surrounding the cabin. Yes, we have a tree to find. A tree? We both walked to the cabin on a newly shoveled path. When he opened the door, on the floor near the small kitchen area were bags and boxes. Van? It's not easy to find decorations on Christmas Eve. I may have pillaged these decorations from my office. By the time we're done, the cabin will be festive and ready to celebrate. 
Vans desire to celebrate for me, something he claimed he hadn't done as of late, brought the holiday to life in a way that decorations alone could never do. I looked from Van to the window. I've never cut down my own tree. Van reached for my hand and brought it to his lips. Another first. As Van started the fire in the stone fireplace, I straightened the bed as it was as we'd left it. I also found some food Van had already delivered to the cabin and organized it along the small counter. The jug of water made me laugh. No boiling water. There are advantages to being prepared. The flames snapped and crackled as the kindling caught fire. Soon the chill within the small cabin began to fade. Are you ready to find the perfect tree? Van asked, his green orbs shimmering in the firelight. I pulled the orange hat down over my hair and ears. Apparently, the color orange signaled to hunters that we were people, not animals. No one should be hunting on Van's property, but it was better to be safe. I pushed my hands into the wool-lined mittens. I'm ready. The End of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com. Dot com.